This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar. Today is Friday, September 11th, 2020, and my guest is the absolutely exceptional Mary Jo Foley. Hi, Mary Jo. How are you today? Hi, I'm good. I'm so excited to be on your show again. This is fun. Thanks for being my guest. Of course. I wanted you on because of the Microsoft Duo stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's also a bunch of other Microsoft stuff we can talk about. We, I, I have to mention really in passing quickly, there's the new Xboxes that were announced. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get into this today. I want my audience to know that it's not that I don't care. It's just that I'm truly trying to focus on mobile more. So uh, even though we have Mary Jo and she could probably have some things to say about Microsoft Xbox in some way or another. Maybe. Right? I don't know. It's not really my forte, but I could I could make up some things. <laughs> you could have opinions. I could. Yeah. I could. All right. Well, so um, I'm traveling today. Reluctantly, I know in these pandemic times, traveling is not the best thing. But if you hear that I sound slightly different, and if you hear airplanes in the background, mm-hmm. do not panic. Uh, I am near a general aviation airfield, and there will be some planes taken off and landing. And I've decided, you know, I'm not going to edit that out. It's not going to be loud enough to interfere with the show, but it might be in the background. <laughs> so, Mary Jo, beware of the airplanes. I will. And you should be aware of taxis and other assorted noises from New York City. <laughs> oh, New York City is lovely. It's a great background to have. <laughs> So let's jump right in. What do you think of this duo? I mean, I've read review, review, review and inter- interestingly, it's very much in line with a lot of the reviews. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you can start with that. Like, do you feel that it's interesting that everyone almost agreed universally and had the exact same take? Almost, right? Right. I know. Everyone loved the hardware, right? Like, everybody's like, oh, it's a great device. The hinge is amazing. It looks really cool. It's it's like a nice form factor, well-designed. And the software, yeah, it's not there. <laughs> I mean, there was kind of no way around that, right? Like, no way of not saying that. Well, the first time yeah. I started it up, I watched so many videos and demos of it, and I'm like, I'm going to know how to use this. And I was just like, nope, I don't. I don't at all know how to use this. And that's not a good sign, right? Like it, like for pe- normal people who might buy this, even for super fans, you want to kind of be able to open the device and just have it speak to you, right? Like, oh, I get how this works. It's not Windows, it's Android, but it doesn't look that different. And you think it doesn't look that different. There's icons and it reminds you about your Android, you know, look and feel and way of operating. But then when you click on an app and you try to do something with it, it's completely, completely different. Right. Yeah, I, I can see that. So I'm, I'm curious, like, obviously, this is a new way of thinking. We all knew this going in, right? Like, right. I'm probably going to be getting one at some point nice. uh, as a kind of second tier. I think they're going to do a sending of second tier devices uh-huh. soon. My thought is... How do I review this? You right. know, I mean, I know you don't generally review hardware, but mm-hmm. that that's kind of what it seems, you know, to be what you were saying. Like, it's like it's a radical new way of doing things. So how do you approach this product? Right. 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 And also, I, I kind of think the second tier reviews are going to be interesting because I would assume there are going to be several updates to the software for, by Microsoft between now and then. And so it may be a very much smoother and better experience by the time you have the device. 
Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I mean, obviously, that's actually the thing that surprised me the most of all the reviews was that people that that it was kind of unusable. It sounded like until this this update, right? Right, right. and uh, that seems unlike Microsoft. So, do you think they might have rushed this? I do think they rushed it. I mean, originally last year they said this would be out in time for holiday twenty twenty. That implied to me it would be out around late October or early November. And then my guess is they saw when some of these other phones would be coming out, like the Galaxy Fold 2, right? And I think they probably said, you know, we got to get ahead of this news cycle. And I think if that's the reason they did this, this was a mistake because they could have used a lot more time on the polish on the software and making sure that when reviewers got it, it wasn't so buggy. I mean, originally their plan was the reviewers were going to get it two weeks before so that we'd have two weeks to work with it and that they weren't going to push out the first system update until September 10th, which was the day the devices would be reviewed, like the reviews would be published. And I was thinking, that is insane. Like, you've got to update it before then, right? Because we're all going to do these reviews saying, yeah, it doesn't work, right? Yeah, no, it's really strange to me. I don't even think it competes with the Fold 2. Like, no, the Z Fold 2, yeah. I think, is a Gen 1 product in the sense that the original Fold was a Zen, Gen 0 product. Yeah. And, you know, like, I'm making that distinction. And I think yeah. the Surface Duo is a Gen 0 product. Kind in of, that yeah. sense, <laughs> and, yep. and, and and but they're very different. Like they have a different intent. You know, the the fold is really a phone that you right. then open into a tablet, mm-hmm. whereas the duo is really trying to say you have two phones glued together, and yeah. you can and they they they're, they're one item. So there's some synergy between the two in the software, right? That's kind of the idea. Yeah. And so I'm surprised that they would like rush it out when really it doesn't matter, you know, is what I'm thinking. I know. And, you know, I, I saw a couple of interviews with Panos Panay, who is the chief product officer at Microsoft, saying, you know, no, everybody's calling this Gen 1, but it's really Gen 3 because, you know, we had the Surface Mini and then we had the Surface Andromeda, which never came to market, which was going to be a dual screen phone running Windows. And now we have this. So technically it's Gen 3. I'm like, no, nah, I don't into that this is this is earlier than that way earlier <laughs> right absolutely so i feel like the hardware is definitely the highlight yes. right in many ways there's yep. a few things i think we can nitpick about like the camera right and and but we i went into this expecting that and i'll tell my audience and you why right now as soon as i saw the specs i thought okay this is an 11 megapixel sensor mm-hmm. in a 4.8 millimeter thin thick, thin, whatever you want to use the word there, uh, slab. And as a camera person who loves imaging on mobile devices, I immediately, that brought up red flags. Yeah. Because there's this thing called Z-depth, right? Like basically how how thick is a phone or device is dictates a lot of the quality of the camera system mm-hmm. because you need the lenses to be a certain distance from the sensor. Mm-hmm. And the more space you have there, the better quality the entire system can be. Now, we've gotten very good over the last decade and a half of making smartphones with cameras to make you know, that Z-depth, that's, that, that thickness, better on cameras. But you really can't get anything too good in 4.8 millimeter. Right. Number one. Number two, 11 is a very odd number. You know, I don't know if you know this, Mary Jo, but sensors are made by basically three big companies right now. There's Sony, mm-hmm. Samsung. Omnivision and then maybe LG every now and then. And so like, if you review phones as much as I do and you focus on imaging as much as I do, you kind of tend to have a knack for like 
if you hear 12 megapixel sensor with these specs, you're like, ah, I think that's a Sony sensor. You know mm -hmm, what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. None of the people I talked to, myself included, were able to pin this down and say, we've seen this sensor before. So it's a big unknown. Mm -hmm. And immediately that raises flags because sensors that are kind of odd or maybe custom made uh, tend to have really big problems with software, right? Mm -hmm. Because like it's really hard. You, you need a few development cycles to get the software to work smoothly on a sensor. So to me, I already immediately dismissed the camera as this is going to be great for video and for maybe the occasional selfie mm -hmm. or like scanning documents or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I knew right away this would be uh, not the, the strong suit yeah. of the Duo. So I'm not too upset to see what people are writing about that. I think actually you were very generous mm -hmm. uh, because honestly, I think that sensor is garbage. Well, to, to Honestly, like to today's standards yeah. on a phone, even a phone that costs $300 right. has better cameras than that. We're going to talk about some cheap phones very soon. But, yeah. you know, just to give the example you have, you have a Pixel 3 XL right now, right? right? As your main phone. Mm -hmm. I had that for a year and a half. And you've heard of the Pixel 4a that just came I out, have, right? Right. Just to give you a perspective, Mary Jo, the 4A would be the perfect replacement for your 3XL. Mm. It, it really, if you're looking at replacing a phone right now, your phone, mm -hmm. the only thing you're going to lose out of is the two big things that might be big for you, wireless charging mm -hmm. and water resistance. Mm. But in every other way, that $350 phone is better than your wow. Pixel 3XL. Wow, Isn't really? that amazing? That is. Yeah. You know, in terms of processor, it's a lesser processor, but it's newer, so it's about on par. Yes. It's got more memory, mm -hmm. and the camera is pretty much what you're used to on your XL. That's great. So for 350 I can get that camera. So I feel like Microsoft, you know, I'm not saying that they shouldn't have done what they did. Mm -hmm. I understand that they didn't have much choice because of the thickness and mm -hmm. the way they were doing it. So, the, of course, the, the reviews on the camera are going to be yeah. terrible. But you know what? So I'll tell you why I was generous when I, in my review of the camera. When everybody first saw those specs for the camera, every single person said, this camera is going to be terrible, like unusable, just like the worst camera ever, right? And so when I took my first pictures outside with it, I was like, okay, it's definitely not as good as a Pixel 3 XL camera, but it's not terrible. Like it's okay. But to your point, you're paying $1,400, $1,500 for the Duo. You expect something better, right? I mean, right. And that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I like this is a $100, like yeah. $100, $150 phone camera and a $1,300 yeah. phone. And I'm not saying it, it needed to be a $1,000 no. camera right. on a, because it's a new form factor right. and it's expensive by the default fact that it's unique and different right. and doing things that have never been done before. Right. So I'm willing to adjust for that. Yeah. But I feel like, and and again, the three hundred fifty dollar Pixel Four A is the the opposite around. Right. It's like it's exceptional for its price. Yeah. So I think, you know, if we if they had delivered like a two hundred fifty dollar phone camera, yeah, um, in a thirteen hundred dollar phone, I think it'd be passable. But at yeah. this point, they're really delivered, as I said, garbage. You know what? Though, if you look at what Surface does all the time, and I hate that they do this, they make aesthetic choices. And, and design choices over usability choices in their hardware, right? So they were like, yeah. they were like, we want this thing to be really thin and really beautiful and not have a big camera bump sticking out in the back. So yeah, you know what? We're going to put like this kind of camera in it. And I think that's a huge mistake because it's nice to have something that looks beautiful, but you've got to take usability into perspective. Even the way the camera works, that's, that to me is a bigger gripe than the quality of the pictures. 
it's so oh. hard to use this camera. It's like, like, it, like you have to make sure. So what is it specifically? Because a lot of people yeah. have described that, but a lot of people were like saying, okay, like it's like it starts on the wrong side. Is that mostly yep. it? Right. Or is, is, is so, there anything else? No. So here, here's how it works. You open the device, you select the camera button, which is on the right. And immediately it opens into selfie mode. Like that's what it opens into, right? And so right, then right. if you, uh, then you have to like flip the screen around and then that takes like a lot of time and effort. And then you're like, can I still see the camera? Blah, blah, blah. And so then they said to me, Microsoft said to me, no, put the camera on the left side. And then when you open it, it'll automatically go into the camera mode and not selfie mode, you know? So I'm like, okay. But then doing that, like you open the device, you pull the camera over to the left, then you fold it over, then it, like does this weird gyration where it's trying to adjust and i'm like man if you ever need to take a fast picture this is just not happening with this camera right right <laughs> yeah i think that's a lot of what i'm hearing from people you know and and that's okay i think that i don't want to i don't want my audience or you to think i'm getting hung up on this it was just what i was trying to say was that i was expecting the camera to be yeah. potentially problematic, but I didn't think it was going to be as bad as yeah. what we're seeing. Yeah. And I think that's a little disappointing. And you're right. I think a lot of it is form over function. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, this is not what this in, the, the, this phone is about or right. this tablet or this device, really yeah. device. And I, and, and I think that that's where my expectations were matched with the camera. But the rest of your review and other reviews, and by the way, for the audience, I will put your review in the show notes. I'll put Mary Jo's review. So please read it. Please read the other ones. There's so many of them and they're all pretty much in line, which is really amazing. Very rarely do you see reviews be this consistently I know. It's true. <laughs> identical. Yeah. Everybody praised the hardware. There are a few people who said that the fit and finish could be better. And I think that's probably due to pre-production. I saw yeah. that, saw some photos of the fingerprint sensor being slightly misaligned. No. Remember, folks, that we're dealing with a company who's building their first phone, not their first Surface device, but their first small, small, small device. And... Yes, Samsung is going to make a, a 13 or whatever, a $1,300 mm -hmm. Galaxy Note 20 Ultra that's going to be perfect fit and finish every time. Mm -hmm. Yes, Apple's going to do that because they've been doing it for years. Right. So I'm willing to cut them a little bit of slack on things like the fingerprint sensor being a little, you know, lopsided or whatever. And I think these are nitpicky things. But what I'm more concerned about is that, you know, the bugginess of the software really surprised me that they would, you know, we talked about how they were maybe a little too early in, mm -hmm. in giving this to media. But I feel like the other thing that's come out of this is once the software seems to be fixed to some extent, is that, the you know, the stages that people went through to accept or understand or not accept or not yes. understand the software experience. And I went into this, and, and this as I think is, I want to hear what you think mm -hmm. of this, I went into this thinking, this is not going to be the device for me because so far every dual screen device I've used that runs Android is a disappointment. Yes. And it's not because I was in the back of my head, I had this little glimmer of hope that Microsoft would find the magic sauce to sprinkle on top of Android to make this better. Mm -hmm. And I think they have in some ways, mm -hmm. but I feel that inherently, intrinsically, Android is not designed for this. Mm -hmm. And they're kicking and screaming, they're dragging it, kicking and screaming into this. And also, I'm not sure we need dual screen phones to be productive. Mm. 
And that's been my vibe. Like there is this phone called the LG. Well, there's a bunch of phones from LG. I don't know if you're familiar with them that can slide into a case that give them a second screen. Mm-hmm. And it's and you then they basically like a fatter, uglier version of the Duo in terms of mm. the, you know end result. And those, you know, the software on LG phones those been lacking. Mm-hmm. And so of course they're not a good experience. But I try to give them a fair share by saying like. Why don't I try to bend my mind into using two apps side by side and see if it's actually a productive and a work mm-hmm. workable solution? And that end result was, no, I am way more productive on an Android phone with a single screen, albeit a bigger screen, with maybe two two apps uh, split screen, mm-hmm. than, or, or just one app at a time and switching between them yeah. than I am on a dual screen. And that seems to be your conclusion too, right? Yeah, I... I- you know, so Microsoft going into this, the way they they justified having two screens, they said, you know, look at all the people who use dual monitors on their desktop. We're, we're thinking, okay, that's the paradigm. Like, people are more productive with dual screens. But I'm like, that's not a good, like, jump and reasoning, right? Because on your desktop, when you have two screens, and this isn't something I do. I don't have a dual screen setup, but... um I Like, I think I don't think that's comparable to saying two screens side by side. No. On a small device is the same experience. I'm like, no, that's not the same experience, right? And I, I am definitely not a multitasker. I'm one of those people you described as jumping from, you know, one app to another. And I, every time I needed to do something fast over these past two weeks, I went to the single screen phone because I'm like, it works much faster for me. Like, I know how to like cut and paste and bring it over to the other app. And this, every time I'd open it, I'd be like, how do I do this again? Like, how do I bring a, something from app side A to B? And it's not intuitive. Um, the, like I said, the demos we've seen of this make it look really easy to just like open a message from your left pane in Outlook to having a single message display on the right. It's not as easy as yeah. it looks. It's not. <laughs> so, uh, so I just don't think they've made the case for this being something that makes you more productive. Um, I think it... Maybe after you use it for months, you start understanding the paradigm and how it all works. But somebody just opening it for two, you know, consistently every day for two weeks, I don't feel like it made me more productive. I feel like it made me less productive. I think that's how I felt about the LG experience with worse software, understandably. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like like LG didn't even try to really make this, the dual screenness of their devices with this optional case. Yeah. You know, there's a couple of features that make it more workable. Whereas I think Microsoft and Panos and his team really focused on trying to make this work. And the fact that they failed, in my opinion, so far, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that it's not going to improve in the future. But so far, because I think the underlying Android issues are part of the problem here. So, but I think so that, when you say that, do you mean gestures? Like and- the in- inherent... Gestures yeah. and, you know, like... <laughs> And as you said in your review, like the LG phone lets you do the same as a Duo, where you can hit have a shortcut on your on your yeah. uh, on your phone that starts two apps mm-hmm. on each screen, right? right. Like, but I've been racking my brain as to which two Me apps too. I would create shortcuts for. Me too. And the fact that you know I had a physical device to try this on with the LG one, and you had a physical device mm-hmm. to try this on with the Surface Duo, and we both are smart, productive people who love tech and use tech mm-hmm. extensively and we couldn't find a use case I know. is either we're too set in our ways and we're old and we <laughs> and get off our lawn kids now you know or um there's just no use case i think look when the iphone came out a lot of people dismissed it 
But then you used it and it was an aha moment. Mm -hmm. It immediately became like, this is the future. Even I at the time was reviewing other smartphones like Blackberries, Palm that were running, Palm OS. Mm -hmm. I was reviewing Symbian phones from, from Nokia. I was using multiple OSs and smartphones already. And I, I, there were a lot of things on the spec sheet of the iPhone that were like, you can't, I couldn't believe like mm. edge only, like no 3G. I was using phones with 3G, <laughs> but then I was using a Nokia phone that had a five megapixel <laughs> camera with autofocus. And here was this crappy two megapixel camera yeah. that couldn't do video. And, and you know, it had no GPS, which mm -hmm. my Nokia's had. It had, it had like, I mean, it's amazing how the original phone had, you know, mm. no MMS and like things like that. But yet I used it and immediately the light went off. I was like, with the right hardware, this is the future. There's no mm -hmm. doubt. And then the right hardware is here now. We've mm -hmm. had it for a decade. I think that, that that's what's missing here is that we can't, and this hardware is good. It's not, that's the other right. thing. Oh, other yeah. than the camera, the hardware is there. Yeah. So like, if you can't be convincing people that the hardware, that the hardware is there, then, you know, it's a problem, right? And right. I think that's, that's kind of what I'm worried about here is that this is a flawed idea in the first place. Mm -hmm. And it's just not going to fly. But I could be very wrong. Maybe somebody will make it work eventually. But getting people into a new workflow and new habits yeah. is really hard. Oh, yeah. That's the thing I felt like, too. It's even if you're somebody who's open to trying new things and, and like new form factors, new ideas, new ways of working. There's some things that are in your workflow that are so hardwired, right? Like there's just certain ways, like I write a story, I paste it into the CMS, like it, that's always going to be my workflow, right? And I'm like, okay, so if, if that's harder to do on something like this, there's something wrong with the device and not me, I feel like. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying that what Panos and his team are trying to do is not a good thing. Like I encourage innovation and trying new right. things yeah. and i'm not saying i'm not dismissing this dual screen idea mm -hmm. especially because the future is clearly folding yeah like you know the next maybe two generations down the road line maybe two years from now duo three will be a folding screen in the middle and it will span when we do spanning it'll be really nice mm -hmm. like i don't doubt that right. the hardware is is gonna happen i'm just not convinced that you can pull people into a new workflow um on this on this yeah. that's a dual screen workflow on a phone right now yeah. and we might be wrong we might look yeah. back at five years from now and go like we were wrong right. but i think very rarely for those of us who've been covering this for a long time you know does this does this uh we, we rarely get it wrong like yeah. i saw the iphone and a lot of people saw the iphones and we got it and then you know uh, same with android when android came out it built on what you know the iphone had been doing for a year and they brought an app store first and they brought a bunch of paradigms first mm -hmm. that, you know, I'm still an Android user today because I still prefer today. Mm -hmm. So, but it wasn't as revolutionary as what the iPhone had brought to the table, right? right? So I feel like, you know, there are some things that, like, for example, I have never used the, the S Pen on a note. Like I use yeah. it more because I have to review it mm -hmm. and because I have to, like to demonstrate it to people yeah. this is how it works. But do I ever pull out the silo? Yeah, if I have to sign a PDF, I do because yeah. it's better than using my finger. Yeah. But I do not. And yet I know people who swear by their note in the S Pen and would never buy any other phone. Clearly, they've done the leap. They've, right. you know, intellectually adjusted their workflow. Mm -hmm. right? right. So I think maybe, you know, for some of us, it um, it will it will take off. But I feel like for something to really become 
you know, accepted and used by everyone, you, you need that aha moment. And you that do. aha moment doesn't exist here. No, and the other problem they have is they don't have that many third-party apps that have been um, updated so that they automatically take into account its dual screen. And so Microsoft's pitch to developers with this has been, you don't have to do anything to your app. It'll just work on the Duo. And that's true. It will. But it'll work as a single-screen app, right? And so if you don't see, like, any kind of benefit from running an app on dual screen, why would you want the dual screen? Right. I mean... I don't think there's fundamentally anything wrong with the idea of two screens side by side, but I'm just racking my head about how I would make I it would make me more productive. And I never really was able to adopt gestures in Android. Oh, I'm still a button good. person at the bottom. I still have the too. three buttons. Yes. <laughs> and I'm not saying like I can use the gesture. Like I adapted on the iPhone yeah. very quickly yeah. when they removed the home button. So the reason I didn't adapt on the Android is I just feel like I don't know. It's well, for a long time, it, was, you know, it wasn't cohesive and coherent yeah. between different phones mm -hmm. on Android because it wasn't actually part of Android. It started off as a feature that people tried to copy Apple on Android mm -hmm. phones. Mm -hmm. So everybody had their own gesture version. And now it's consolidated because Android supports the gestures built in. Mm -hmm. The problem is that I find that a lot of people are struggling with those gestures. On iPhone, Apple somehow managed to make it flawless, intuitive, and really work well for mm -hmm. everyone. There's a learning curve of a few days and then you get over it and you're done. Mm -hmm. And also you don't have a choice. They don't give you the buttons mm -hmm. back. There's no home button back on iPhone. Mm -hmm. So people had to learn. Yeah. Whereas I think for Android, they tried to do that. I think it was, which version of the Pixel was it? Remember yeah. for a while the Pixel had, yeah. you couldn't go back to the buttons. Right. You had the pill at and the bottom. And everybody was screaming, right? <laughs> and everybody was screaming. And I think it's because it sucked. And now it's actually really good. I think gestures on Androids are good now, except that we're still having the choice of the buttons. I'm going to go for the buttons me every too. time, unless you force me to go to the gestures. Now that the gestures are good, I might be able to adopt yeah. the gestures, but I'm having a really hard time with it. Yeah. Because my again, my workflow habit, I know. just everything works the way I'm used to. And I'm just super productive, especially when it comes to multitasking, where I have to, have, I want to hit that recent button. Yeah. App, recent apps button and then i've got my carousel of apps right. and i just go in and out yeah. and i copy and paste and yeah. it's just smooth and it, modern phones are so fast even that little pixel 4a is just so slick and quick yeah. at multitasking you know yeah I, know. I don't know like i want it to be real <laughs> but, mm. no so the other problem for me like that they ship the duo with gestures on as the default, right? So right. you get, first you have this unfamiliar experience if you're not a gesture user on Android already. Then Microsoft layers its own gestures like spanning and other things that they've optimized for the duo on top of that. So you're not just getting one unfamiliar experience, you're getting two. And there's wow. almost no help in the system. Like they've got, they've included on the phone a few um, help videos, but I feel like you need way more than that for people who are coming to this device who haven't used gestures who haven't really understood how microsoft's adapting apps to work this way and they're just assuming that you're gonna just figure it out and i don't think that's good i mean remember when they did that with windows 8 they said you know we're not going to give people yeah, any help yeah. because if we do they're going to rely on the help and they're not going to just figure out the gestures that was a total nod to apple right like apple yeah, did it yeah. we could do it and nobody ever did it i want i i've told the story on windows weekly before i walked into a best buy where the person working at best buy was trying to demo windows 8 to some customers and he just put his hands up he's like i don't know how to use it 
And I'm like, okay. <laughs> wow. So here we are. And this, I feel like they're doing this on the duo again. Like, no, we don't want to give people too much help or cheat sheets or all that because we want them to just get used to it. But I don't think that's a good strategy. I really don't. No, I mean, I'm actually, one of the things I'm going to ask you is that I've read, I haven't read anybody else talking about this. When you switch to the three button menu yeah. uh, on the duo, so how do you then do spanning? Do you still have to do their gestures? Yeah. You do. Okay. Yep. So basically it just turns off the part of the gestures that are standard Android gestures, right? I guess. I, I mean, I, I had never used Android gestures until So you this. don't know, yeah. But I but like when I turned off gestures and um, just started using the three buttons with the gestures, I still like to pan. I still had to pull the app over the hinge and make it pan that way. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Interesting. Because, yeah, I wondered how you would use it that way. Yeah. But, um. You know, for me, the thing is that I with like the L, with the LG phone. One of the things I did like that I think the Duo does is that on each screen you have the app tray. So mm -hmm. you, if you open the app tray on the left, that app is going to end up on the left, right? And if you open the app tray on the right, that app's going to end up on the right. And I, I is Duo does that too, right? Uh, let me see. Maybe, <laughs> but that the problem you have is, it in front of it. I do, I do. But like the problem is, like when I open my camera app. And I want to put it over to the other side. It doesn't automatically switch the camera app to be in the tray on the other side. Ah. Uh, yeah. So it the camera app stays on my duo. On well, the it's right. yeah, I see <laughs> the camera app staying because it's yeah. yeah because of the camera location. But yeah. I'm wondering for like a normal, if you have like a blank canvas, you're yeah. not running any apps. Right. You're looking at just yeah. the left and right screens. Yeah. I believe that if you swipe. Yeah, you're right. Up. So you, right. you, you have an app tray on each side, right? Yeah. And if you start an app on the left app tray, yeah. it ends up on the left and right, right up tray, it ends up right. Yes. That is actually one of the things that I think is, you know, it's the same on the LG and I think that's yeah. that's pretty nice. It is. But, um, yeah. you know, it feels, it's it's when you want, like, first of all, spanning is, is not a good idea because you get that bar in the middle. Yeah. That's where the, a folding screen would really help. Mm -hmm. And of course, the Z, the Z Fold 2 of Samsung lets you do side-by-side -side apps. Yeah. Um, you know, but the problem is that with that is that it's a weird it's a weird aspect ratio mm -hmm. where I think the uh, the duo has a better aspect ratio mm -hmm. and the the LG phones have also have a better aspect ratio for two sides side by side apps. Mm -hmm. But I think it's the managing your like switching your brain context to having yeah. two apps yeah. and which two apps at this time. Right. And you know, as as a lot of reviewers have said, the LG one doesn't even attempt to let you copy and paste between. Yeah. It just uses the clipboard in Android. Mm -hmm. So you have to copy on one side and paste on the other by mm -hmm. long holding. But I know that Microsoft's trying to let you in some apps copy and paste by dragging and dropping, right? I guess. I could never get that to work. I, I uh -huh. tried a couple times. Like I had to do open that's an app I don't really normally use, but I I like open to do on the right and I had a recipe opened on the left and edge, right? And so then I'm like, how do I get the ingredients from the recipe to go over here, right? And I tried to pull it and I'm like, nope. And so I did the copy and paste and that worked. So I'm like, okay, maybe that's the way you're supposed to use it. So yeah, it's hard to tell how it's supposed to work. Right. And I think that's that's for me, like with the LG, that wasn't a big thing is a copy and paste. If I have to use the old good old copy and paste, it's familiar, but it's very slow, it right? Is. Yeah. It, like there's only one advantage to having two apps at this point is that I can visually see them next to each other. Right. But it's the same as if I were to switch apps with the 
with the you know the uh, recent apps at that point because the copy and paste would be really nice if you could just like somehow drag and drop easily between the two um but but as you said I, we should talk about this a little more maybe is that there are apps from microsoft that have been really optimized to take mm -hmm. advantage of the two screens um and you know some apps behave better than others i'm sure yeah. um by default right. so you know has, everybody seems to say that the microsoft apps are really great yeah and how, how's that been for you yeah they've been good like once you figure out how it works it works pretty well so I've used like Outlook over dual screen. So again, it's not something I feel like is compelling, super compelling. But if you're somebody who would like to have your emails open on the left pane and then just look at one particular email on the right, you can do that, right? Like you span Outlook, you get it to span. And then when you automatically click on the left pane, the message opens full size on the right pane. Oh, that's cool. It's cool. But I'm like, how often do I need that though? <laughs> That's the challenge, right. right? Like I think that's that's I think it's again, it's a mindset thing and if it's not intuitive, then people are just not going to use it. Yeah. And you know, with the LG phone, it's easy. I can take the phone out of the case and I lose the second screen and my phone is thin yeah. and it's a single screen device and I'm back to normal yeah. and the camera is decent because it's a full-on yeah. phone. There's no compromises made and it's cost like I think the LG Velvet, which is the latest yeah. of the series they've made that they have that optional case for. That that with the case is a you know seven hundred dollar phone. Right. So we're talking about half the price of the duo, and I and I don't want to say that, you know, because the duo hardware is absolutely phenomenally is. gorgeous and incredibly well executed. Yeah. But if you can get ninety percent of that experience from the duo for fifty percent of the price, yeah, and it's optional, meaning that if today you decide that I want to go light and use a single screen for the day, right. You know, and you get a better camera out of it anyway, no right. matter what. Like, it's a hard sell to go with a duo. I know. Like, another example they show a lot is OneDrive, right? So, say you want to look at your photos in OneDrive, and you want to just look at one particular photo. So, you can pull that photo over to the other screen. And then, you, if you have just one photo, you could take that photo and just drag it over into, if you then, if you close OneDrive on the other screen, drag it over and put it in your Outlook message. But I'm like, you can already do that without doing it that way, right? You can just get your photo and put it, like copy and paste it into your <laughs> Outlook message. So I'm like, okay, it looks cooler. It's more fun, I guess, to do it that way, but do I need it? No, I can do that exact thing now pretty fast on a single screen. And I think that's the thing. That's also, you know, why it's hard for us is because we are so used to very quick workflows. Like, yeah. as you said, when you had to be productive, you switch back to the Pixel 3 XL. Yeah. And I'm feeling, I felt the same way with the Velvet. When I had to be productive, the, the LG phone, I would just fold the case over, 360 it, right? Yeah. And use the front screen only and I could bang, 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 it's done. Yeah. And then I, when I wanted to experiment, I'd open it up. Yeah. And and I guess at least you can still do that on the Duo. You can just fold yeah, it over with the screens being the outside yeah. and then you can still use it as a single screen you device. Yeah. But then you, you paid $1,300 for a phone that <laughs> has last year's specs, no 5G, yeah. no NFC, no wireless charging right. and uh, costs $1,300. The one, the one Microsoft app case that I've seen where I'm like, okay, this one, this one is a reason that you would want two screens is Teams, right? So say you're in a Teams video meeting and you want to have that on your left screen, but you actually want to do something productive on your other screen. That's okay. I'm like, 
there's a use case that I get. Like when you need to, you could put like a small view of your meeting, you know, on a single screen and do your regular tasks. But I'm like, okay, this one is probably their marquee reason for having this. And they're trying to make Teams the centerpiece of your work. So I'm like, okay, maybe this is just like a glorified Teams device, right? <laughs> you know? Uh, I mean, you know, this is why I call it a Gen Zero device. Yeah. I think the hardware is exquisite. I think it's beautiful. But, you know, the camera being problematic, the yeah. snap, the older Snapdragon chip, which really honestly isn't a big deal. But, yeah. you know, it, it it's hard to sell a device that costs that much money and have last year's spec, especially yeah. for a company the size of Microsoft. Yeah. Like if it's some small startup that's making a cust like a some specialized phone, and it's taken them a couple of years to go to market, and their chips their their shipping was last year's yeah. chip, you're kind of willing to excuse right. them. But like I can't believe that Microsoft couldn't go back to the drawing board with Qualcomm in tow, yeah. who's their partner here, and make a Snapdragon 865 version of this yeah. phone with 5G. Come on, like that's. I know. Now, the camera, I can understand that they couldn't have done better because that was baked in with the form factor. Yeah. But I just find it weird. And honestly, like, kind of, how can you ship a phone? Like, while it's charging, there are some expensive phones that don't have it. Yeah. Like, it's starting to be rare now, but at that price point for sure. But NFC, like, how simple could yeah. it have been to add NFC? Yeah. Like, that is, you know, I know, like, if you... To me, it seems like Microsoft is speaking... To, from two different heads and two different mouths here. Yeah. One head is saying, this is all, this is the only device you need in your pocket. You can do everything mm -hmm. with it. It's productivity central because of dual screen. And then this, and then the other head says, oh, you know, you probably want to use this as a second device and have a main phone because, you know, you need to right. do <laughs> NFC and you need to do, you need a decent camera. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. Well, it seems there, there's a rumor. I, I haven't substantiated this myself, but there is a rumor that Duo 2 is next year. Um, well, it has to be. I know. I mean, either they, you know, abandon this right. because you know, they feel that the 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 feedback and support isn't there, right? Or they, and I don't think they should, honestly, no, because this is either. the kind of thing you need to continue refining. Yeah. Or they continue and and carry on, and it's then you know it's a Gen One device next year, like the Z Fold Two yeah. is a Gen One device, and it's done right this year. And but I still think that they do need to address this. The messaging around that is isn't clear to me. Like yeah. it, it feels like Microsoft is like, once you use this, you'll have the aha moment, yeah. and you'll always want a dual screen. I think they need to revisit the messaging and saying that for some people, this might be the right thing, mm -hmm. rather than you know, um, we found the next productivity wave yeah. with this product. Yeah, but they'll never say that. <laughs> like they want it to be the be all end all productivity device. Like that's their word. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm reading into this wrong. Maybe, you know, they never claimed it to be the next aha moment. Maybe I'm I'm projecting that upon it. I don't know. But it seems to me the messaging, like, you know, that 35-minute video that Panos did. Yeah. I mean, I, I liked what I saw there. Yeah. I was like, you're convincing me this is what I need and mm -hmm. want. This is going to be an aha thing. And clearly it hasn't been so... Yeah, I don't know. We'll f we'll figure it out. I know. But yeah. is there any final thoughts you have on on the duo that we didn't cover? Things you might want my audience to know before we continue? Um, no, not really. I I feel like I we're we're allowed to keep this to as reviewers for another month or two. So I'm going to keep using it. 
and see, you know, how my evolution of the device evolves. If it does, I'm not just going to put it in a drawer now and say I'm done with my review, right? So as they push out software updates and as I try to get more familiar with it, maybe I will have what you're calling the aha moment, or maybe I'll just be like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to wait for the next one and see how that goes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, I know the folks at Microsoft are going to listen to this, and I don't want them to get the wrong idea that I don't want to try the Duo. No. I am gung-ho about new form factors. I'm gung-ho about new experiences. I can only go by what I read from other mm -hmm. people that I trust, like you, like Daniel Bader at Android Central, like my friends at Android Police, etc., yeah. that reviewed the Duo. And everybody seems to be in unison agreeing that this is not an aha moment. Maybe it will be my aha moment. Yeah. I, the, the bottom line is I'm dying to try it out mm -hmm. because even though I've tried the LG uh, dual case setup, it's, you know, it's a little janky, right? Yeah. Like everybody kind of agrees. Um, now, what's that new weird phone where you can turn it and it looks like a cross? What's that one? Oh, so that's the LG Wing. I'm like, We okay. discussed that on last week's podcast. That's a really it's weird coming one up. though, right? Like, come on. <laughs> well, I mean, this is kind of what I like though. See, like there was a period in time in the mid-noughts yeah. where Nokia was going crazy. Remember yeah, that? Yeah. Making like lipstick foam yeah. that looks like a stick of lipstick yeah. and, and like all kinds of really, and I like, I like that. I, I love the idea that we're going to get these weird form factors. Yeah. And and I encourage LG, like the, the wing isn't now out yet. It's not official. Yeah. There's an announcement, I think on September 14th mm -hmm. uh, about that might be that. Nobody's confirmed anything. Mm -hmm. So far it's been leaks and rumors mm -hmm. and we've seen videos and photos. And you know what? I'm interested because yeah. it's weird. Right. And weird is good. Um, because, you know, slabs of glass and metal that are identical to one another, which is basically what we've had for a decade, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of boring, right? Like, yeah. I, I want, I don't want Microsoft to go, you know, decide, like, forget it. We're just going to make a single screen phone now. No, 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 no. Please I stick agree. with this idea. Keep trying Develop things. it further. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, Panos has been on the record with The Verge saying... We're going to do multiple sizes of the Duo. We're going to try a lot of different things. And then there's the Neo, still, you know, temporarily postponed, but that's going to be 10, Windows 10X on a dual screen form factor of some kind. Should be really cool. Yeah. yeah. So um, let's switch gears. I don't want to spend too much time on this because I'm seeing the time and I want to be able okay. to address the, the news. But you've been using a Surface Laptop 3 for, what, nine months? Yeah. Mm -hmm. and almost a year. Right. Like it's going to be a year in October yeah. or something. So, so less, more than nine months. Yep. So I want you to tell us a little bit, like, like how is that ended? How did that end up being your mm -hmm. laptop of choice? And what do you like and dislike after nine months yeah. or a year? So the Laptop 3 was the first Surface device I actually liked. <laughs> I mean, I got to try okay. out some of the pro early pro versions. I got to try out Surface RT with the very beginning, very, very beginning. I tried a lot of different Surface devices, and my uh, everybody knows who reads me, none of these were lappable, right? Like, I'm like, wait, like, I can't use a PC that's not lappable because a lot of times I don't have a desk or a table where I am, and I need to put it on my lap. And... All of these would tip over, fall off, and people were like, oh, you must have short legs. I'm like, I don't have short legs. I don't have a long torso, right? I'm, I'm not abnormally shaped. Um, and it just was because of the way the devices were weighted. They were top heavy or bottom heavy, and they'd always just like rock, and you'd have to use your arms to hold it down. And I'm like, wait, you're calling this a laptop. Remember, the first part of that word is lap. Yeah. 
yeah. Right? So, like, that played a big part in, in my choice because I need a device that's thin, that's light, that has decent battery that I can put in my bag and not be worried, like, is it going to, you know, is the charge going to run out because of the whole hot bag syndrome or whatever, you know, that plagued a lot of the surface devices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And so I was kind of worried about it and I, I reviewed it and then I just fell in love with it. I'm like, this is the laptop I want. The only the only thing I do not like about it so far is um, it the battery life isn't great. And, um, it's, I get like maybe six to eight hours and I want way more battery life than that. I, I just am like, that's not all day for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, windows on arm is going to be interesting for that. Yeah. Um, although you know, so far the battery life on that's not really living up to. No, it hasn't. But I think that the, it's a software issue more than yeah, anything, because yeah. I think Apple is going to show very, very soon. And we're going to talk about Apple in a minute. Yeah. But they're going to show to the world that an ARM-based laptop can, what what it should really be like. And I really hate that it has to be Apple doing this yeah. because Microsoft was there first. I know. With the Surface Pro X. I know. And I have one and I love it. I think, I mean, I'm with you on the lap. It's not a lappable device, yeah. so I'm not happy about that. Like right now I'm recording this in my hotel room on Literally, my MacBook is in my lap, Yeah, you know, and it's not getting very hot right. because this is actually uh, a pretty efficient little beast, but it's comfortable. I'm productive. Mm -hmm. We're having a podcast together. Right. If this was a Surface Pro X right now, it would, it would have fallen off yeah. in some way or another. And, and so it's not for me. And I understand that for a lot of people, it's a great form yeah. factor and I get it. I mean, look at how many iPad users right. use an iPad with a keyboard. Like, yeah. you know, Harry McCracken has got to be the poster <laughs> bearer for this, yeah. um, for this, you know, he, he swears by his iPad. He does all his writing yeah. on his with a, with a high quality keyboard. Mm -hmm. So I get it. Yeah. Um, but I feel like I was very excited. I got the first generation Microsoft laptop mm -hmm. as a review unit, mm -hmm. and I loved it. I loved the design. I loved everything about it. And then uh, I think I I've, I never got the second or the third. Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming it's just a better experience it than is. the first, which was already great. So yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so speaking of, there are rumors uh, of a cheaper Surface laptop, yeah. but I want to kind of take the temperature on this. Yeah. How, how real do you think this is? So this this is not a rumor that I broke. This is from Windows Central, Zach Bowden. And I'm pretty sure he's right about this because I know Microsoft's always looking for new form factors for Surface, like niches that they haven't really figured out. So he heard there's going to be a 12.5-inch Intel Core i5 clamshell-based laptop coming this fall. And mm -hmm. if you add up all these pieces, you're like, you know what? This makes sense. They're trying to compete with Chromebooks, right? They need some mid-range entries in the Surface line. They, the laptop has been a good form factor for them. Like, they didn't come out with laptops till later. But if you look at what would students want, they want a clamshell laptop, not a Surface Pro with a detachable keyboard, right? And Absolutely. Yeah, and so he's saying it could be coming out at between five and $600 for the low-end configuration with four gigs of RAM and 64 gigs of storage. And I'm like, you know what? For Surface, that's cheap, right? Yeah, yeah. And you'd still have to buy, uh, you wouldn't have to buy a keyboard because it would be attached, but you would have to buy, if you wanted it, a pen um, and any other accessories, right? But still, that's that's affordable for many people. And with COVID and people working from home and learning being done from home, 
a lot of people are buying laptops and stores are running out of laptops. Microsoft's even running out of laptops. Yeah. So yeah. it might be the perfect time to come out with a new laptop, right? No, I think it's great. I, I think I've always been a huge fan of cheap laptops. Yeah. Um, some of them are better than others, but you know, cheap Chromebooks, cheap Windows machines, yeah. even cheap Macs when possible, when they're on sale or whatever. Yeah. Like I feel that laptop is the productivity beast for me and many people yeah. still. Yeah. And the cheaper we can make them, but still usable and decent, the better. Yeah. And that's kind of, again, back why I'm very excited about the potential that once you know Apple shows us the way of how to make an ARM laptop mm -hmm. that's not sucky, mm -hmm. that Microsoft and and Qualcomm and the others that are have stakes, you know, in Windows on ARM mm -hmm. actually get together and make it happen for for PC yeah. users. Yeah, I mean, I'm super excited about the mobility, the battery yeah. life, the the constant connectivity, yeah. and the thin, fanless, light yeah. uh, form factors. Like, you know, like the MacBook I'm using is an old MacBook 12 inch, and I'm still using it as my travel machine, mm -hmm. even though it's underpowered and slow and has a like crappy Intel chip in it from years ago, mm -hmm. because, you know, first of all, I got the, the maxed out one, so I've got enough RAM and storage yeah. to keep using it. But secondly, you know, I, I'm not gonna replace it until Apple makes a 12 inch MacBook ultra light, ultra thin that yeah. runs ARM, maybe with LTE or 5G connectivity um, that, as incredible battery life, that's when going to be the ticket. That's yeah. when I'm going to spend my. I'm willing to spend two thousand dollars on another yeah. one. I spent seventeen ninety nine on this seven years ago, mm. seven five five years ago, whenever it was. Yeah. My point is that I'm willing to do that again because, you know, that's the thing with Macs. They last so long. Right. Like I, you just. I mean, as yes, my processor is slow, but that's because I chose the slow processor when I wanted the most portable machine back then. Yeah. Like yeah. it was slow when I bought it. It's not that it's slow because of five years right. of use, right. right? Like, so. I mean, for Microsoft, the challenge is the operating system again, right? Exactly. So this new yeah. low, this new low end surface clamshell, it's going to run Windows 10 in S mode, which is terrible, right? Like that's the version of Windows 10 where you can only get apps from the Microsoft store and it's locked well, down, yes. right? But a lot of people are like, why aren't they going to put Windows 10X on it? That new cool Windows version that, you know, it has kind of like an, more of an Android look and feel that would be better for a Chromebook competitor. And the reason is 10X isn't ready yet. It's coming out next year, right? So right. they, they have to make a choice. And if you have Windows 10 in S mode, you can upgrade to regular Windows 10 to for home, free. right? Yeah, yeah, for free. Yeah. So I've done that to every single Windows 10S device I ever got. So. Yeah. So the other point was, uh, and on a Windows on ARM kind of a device, they haven't really perfected Windows on ARM and there are almost no apps that don't run an emulation that really work well on it. So they have, they have a lot of work to do on ARM. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. So switching gears really quickly, um, I want to talk about the Apple event. So <laughs> this is just a piece of news. Yeah. Unless you were under a rock this last week, my dear listeners, you know that Apple is having an event next week i think no wait this week the yeah, 15th, 15th. Yep. so it's coming up and uh, that should be exciting so if you were expecting iphones this week it's not gonna happen it looks yeah. like because of covid the, the the rumors were true that there's a delay on manufacturing or or bringing the the iphones to to life so the iphone 12 should be announced at a separate event later in october that's what everybody says but right now we're expecting on the 15th uh the apple watches and the iPads to be updated. And there's rumors that Apple might surprise us and launch the first ARM-based MacBook as well. So I think it's gonna be very interesting. I'm definitely looking forward to it. 
And then in the news section here of the of the show, if you haven't gotten your your Android 11 yet and you're a Pixel user, keep an eye out. Android 11 is rolling out to Pixel users and other phones too, like OnePlus and others. So it, it's real. It's it's official. There's reviews out there. Um, I will link to uh, Engadget, my old uh, my old uh, stomping grounds in review of Android 11. Um, it's in very incremental improvements, but you know if you're like me and you're an Android fan and you have a device that will get updates soon, like a Pixel or something, you know you ought yourself uh, to check it out, right? So bubbles, right? Isn't that the big thing in this? <laughs> I don't know. I think that's one of the things. I honestly haven't been looking. For me, the big thing is uh, screen recording. Yeah, like you know, yeah. being able not have to install an app to do screen uh-huh. recording is kind of a nice. a lovely thing yeah. to be honest with you. So. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. I mean, I'm excited. I'm not going to rush and yeah. and put it out there. Like, frankly, I'm not going to like, I'm going to wait for my update to show up on my Pixel yeah. and be happy with yep. it, you know? Yeah. I mean, right now, I'm my daily driver is a OnePlus 8 Pro. And so that's probably going to get it pretty soon. Mm-hmm. But um, I have a Pixel 4a that I really love that I've been reviewing. So I'm probably going to update this first before I update my Pixel 4. Um, I know. We'll see. I'm, I'm intrigued about this Pixel 4 because I, I am starting to be in the market for a new phone. And I really have to say, I like the Pixels. I mean, check out the 4A. Yeah. It's phenomenal. If you can live without wireless charging and, and waterproofing, as I, I said, it's really those. the way to yeah. go. Yeah, well, then check it out. Yeah. Really, it's awesome. Nice. Um, so other quick news. I'm going to rapid fire some new phones that you should that folks should be keeping an eye out of. They're pretty obvious. Uh Moto's announced the successor to the original Razer, which was, as you know, pretty much a Verizon-only device and had 4G and had an older chipset. There were a lot of issues with that phone. The specs were a little very much like the Duo. It shipped with specs that were a year behind uh, because obviously it took them a long time to get this product to market. And it was the first, at the time, the first, this is back in about almost a year ago that they announced the original Razer, like in November last year, that it was you know, the first folding phone other than the Samsung Galaxy Fold. So, and and it was a different form factor where it, it was unfolded, it's a normal phone, and when it's folded, it's like a, a compact and mm-hmm. it goes in your pocket. Very cool form factor. Samsung finally did it right uh, with the Z Flip and Z Flip 5G. And <laughs> somehow it was a miss with, with uh, the Razer because of the specs. And more importantly, there were all kinds of issues with the hinge and the display and the screen squeaky noises and stuff so mike you know moto tells us this has been resolved with the moto 5g the razor 5g they don't call it that they're just calling it razor again but we all know it's like the razor 2 or razor 5g differences are everything all the specs are really solid snapdragon 765g means you get 5g on a decent chip uh it's got a 48 megapixel camera with ois OIS is a pretty important thing to have on a phone for a decent imaging experience. So all the everything lines up, all the stars I lined up for this phone to be a decent performer. It has a SIM tray because you know they don't want to just rely on eSIM like they did on the original Razer. The big wild card here is it's still very expensive. It's coming to T-Mobile and AT&T, but it's not coming to Verizon because it's only uh, sub six gigahertz 5G, so it doesn't support uh, millimeter wave. So that's why. But the cool thing about it is that you know, is the display and hinge issues being resolved? And they say they have. So let's see what happens, right? This is a, this is a big thing. Are you excited about this form factor, Mary Jo? Yeah, kind of. I, you know, I'm like you. I'm, I'm always interested in something new. Like, if so, is there always something better right around the corner, right? So 
Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm always game to look and and just give things a chance and see. You know, I, a lot of times I'll just be like, you know what? The existing things live for a reason. Like clamshell laptops, not going away. They serve a purpose, right? right? So... <laughs> But this is really like the thing about this is that it's just a phone right, when it's open. Right. Like you, it, there's no right. different Normal than your phone, right? awesome yeah. great phone, yeah. right? But then you fold it in half and it takes less space in your pocket and it looks really cool. I guess I guess for women that might be less of an issue because a lot of women carry a bag of some kind. So exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But, absolutely. But I'm always just throwing everything in there and I'm like, you know, it's always good to have smaller bags. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. No, I, I've used the Z Flip from Samsung. I, uh, so I'm going to actually talk about this in a second, but yeah. we didn't get Razer Review Units as second tier journalists. And again, this time, only six publications oh, wow. got Razers really? for this new wow. one. So, um, and I think they are uh, Bloomberg, CNET, PC Mag, The Verge. And then Michael Fisher. No, not The not Verge. The Verge. No, Michael Fisher, Mr. Mobile, uh, yeah. YouTube creator. MKBHD, Marquez Brownlee, YouTube creator, and then one more YouTube creator. Wow. Oh, Lou at uh, Unbox Therapy. That's it. Wow. As far as I know. Wow. And then they give them to a lot of sports people oh, yeah. and mm -hmm. actors. So they're trying to really put a lifestyle play on this. Mm -hmm. And I don't get it because, look, if you finally ship the specs we wanted that are modern and you fix the hinge and the issues with the display, then why wouldn't you give it out to the reviewers? Mm. They they spent the time briefing me, yeah. Mary Jo. They took an hour, one-on-one -on -one briefing for an hour, and they sent me all the information. And then that's crazy. I said, so when am I getting yeah. my review unit? They're like, oh, we're really sorry, but very few, like normally, you know, they'll say something like, like very few yeah. publications are getting it, or right. we have a limited supply. It was worse. They said, oh, you you know, we're, we're not going to give you out review units. We have a very limited supply and we are giving them to very limited publications. Wow. That was true. But then they said, but we encourage you to go out and buy one. Oh man, that's terrible. <laughs> Isn't that insulting? Like, I feel that's really weird. Like, like you could have just stopped at that and I would have grumbled yeah. a little bit. At least you gave me the briefing, right. whatever. But like, go buy really? one? you are expecting yeah. me to go buy one for what is it? Fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars So you know what? I, I feel like it's getting less and less predictable who gets review units. Like I used to get all the surface review units and I hadn't got a surface review unit from that team in a couple of years until I got the duo. And I, I even said in my first take on the duo, I said, well, I'm going to go buy one because I know Microsoft's not going to give me one. Right. <laughs> you know, so, and, and the good part with Microsoft is you've got the 60 day return policy. So I'm like, you know what? I can always return it. It's just bad. I have to shell out $1,500 to go buy one. Right. You know? Yeah, totally. But then they surprised yeah, me. I mean, so, yeah. I mean, this was just really weird. Like, yeah. like, I understand something went wrong. Like when the thing you have to understand, Mary Jo, is when they showed us the original Razor in November. Yeah. They invited us to LA to an to an event yeah. there, and we all got to play with it, and we were blown away. Yeah. It was solid. It was good. There were hand assembled units, and they didn't seem to be defective in any wow. way. They felt really like nice. ready for shipping. Mm -hmm. And then they shipped, and as you know, it was the reviews were bad, and there were all these mm -hmm. issues with the display and the hinge. Yeah. And of course, Samsung came out with a Z Flip and showed everybody how to do it right. And we were now convinced about the form factor. But yeah, Moto, the reviews were terrible in the original mm -hmm. Razer. But, and I understand that Moto's trepidous could get them out there yeah. to, to us again. But if they fix these issues and the specs are on point, you'd think they would want to redeem. Like they would want yeah. to get us back on there. 
And instead, they kind of insult us yeah. by telling us to go buy our own. That's really of, bad. It's a weird strategy, no, and I don't, that's I don't bad. think it's necessary. Telling you to go you buy know? it, it's like okay, well, if you give me the money, I'll go buy it. <laughs> and and I so I was super gentle and friendly, and I said yeah. that to their PR folks because I know it's not the PR no. folks' fault, right? This right. is like some executive decision yeah. higher up. But I said, look, you know. I want you to know, like, what's the incentive for me to cover this? Like, yeah. I'm going to talk about it on the podcast because right. it's a folding phone and it's a second generation. Yeah. And as I said, I feel you're doing a lot of things right. The specs are on yeah. point this time. But, like, if you don't give me one to try out, why should I go I out of my way to give you some attention and time? Like, I know. I have my hands full with all kinds of no other kidding. things already, yep. right? I know. And, and speaking of, there's my segue. <laughs> <laughs> um, or I have a Poco x3 nfc the phone from xiaomi uh-huh. that is a you know a, a price or value i should say champion mm-hmm. uh, this is a phone that has better specs than the pixel 4a mm. costs about 250 dollars instead of 350 mm-hmm. and uh is coming out globally as you know xiaomi is not officially sold in the u.s so when i say globally put take that with a grain of salt but you'll be able to import it in the u.s and so far, my experience with it is that I've put SIMs from all the major carriers and it works fine. Okay. So you should be okay if you buy it in the US. And um, it has NFC, which is part of the name, which is a bit weird. But Mary Jo, you have to understand a lot of the phones in that you know value segment in Asia cut out the NFC mm-hmm. because over there they do all their mobile payments with barcodes, oh, yeah, okay. with QR codes. So uh, India and China, a lot of phones don't have NFC. So adding NFC on a cheap phone for them is unusual. And I mean, it's not a cheap phone, but an affordable phone. So it's a nice thing to have. So this phone is really going to be, I think, very popular in the West for those of you who want a really good value. It's got four cameras on the back, including a 64 megapixel sensor. Two of them are kind of silly sensors like a two megapixel macro and a two megapixel depth sensor but there's an ultra wide in the back there's a main sensor that's a pretty decent one uh it doesn't have ois but at that price point you know it has a 120 hertz display it's not an oled it's an ips panel but 120 hertz display a large display for that price is unheard of and it's using qualcomm's latest newest chipset they announced last week the snapdragon 732g which is a 4g chipset not 5g but it is a performance wise probably very similar to what you have in your pixel Mm -hmm. 3xl like a snapdragon uh 845 Mm -hmm. level of performance Mm so nothing to sneer at this phone should be an incredible uh value not just you know on paper but in use so i'm testing it out Uh, my unboxing video will be in the show notes stay tuned for a review coming soon and i'm excited how do you feel about this this um you know what's happening in the world right now where we're seeing much more affordable phones i'm not sure if it's a result of the pandemic Mm. or just happened to happen at the same time of the pandemic but it's kind of badly needed right now isn't it it is although you know you get this thing in your head at least i do like, is it really good if it's cheap, right? Like, you know, the reason you're willing to buy these high-end phones, like, like when I bought the Pixel 3 XL, it was $1,000, right? And Exactly, yeah. I, but I, you always equate falsely many times the idea that if it's expensive, it's better, right? Right. So and it's not always it's true. It's not. So you have to kind of get that out of your head. Like, does a premium phone mean it has to be a premium price? Not necessarily. I mean... You saw this happen with laptops. If, yeah. I mean, we all did, but yeah. you particularly since you cover Windows. Right. Uh, a few years ago where it didn't really matter. Like you could buy 
pretty much any laptop and get a pretty decent experience, yeah, right? Right. Of course, you know, some laptops were kind of plasticky yeah. and the keyboard deck was flexing and stuff, yeah. but you could still it's still a usable product that works yeah. and performs as you expect. And you didn't feel like you sacrificed too much by buying like i3 or an i5, yeah, right? right? But I think that's where we're at with phones. That's yeah. why I think this 2020, even though it seems like it's a pandemic and people are trying to launch cheaper, more affordable mm -hmm. phones, which coincides well with people losing their jobs yeah. and having, you know, a lot of economic uh, uncertainty. Yeah. I think that it's actually more a product of we finally reached the point where we can make phones that don't suck for $250. Yeah. So let's bring it on. Yeah, right? I know. I mean, remember how expensive PCs were like 20 years ago? They were all so expensive and it wasn't because they were so great. You know, it was just over time, manufacturing gets cheaper as you make more things in volume. So hopefully that's exactly. coming to phones, right? Exactly. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm really looking forward to playing more with that uh, Poco X3 NFC. Um, if you're hearing thunder, we're starting to have thunderstorms. Oh, wow. How exciting. <laughs> yeah, I know. I want to quickly talk about a couple of things. This is more like news announcements. Huawei had a big press thing yesterday. I got briefed ahead of time. And the big takeaway from their thing is I'll have a couple of links in the show notes. But basically, there's uh, the MateBook series, which are some of the best Windows laptops out there. Have you had a chance to play with them, Mary Jo? No, but I've heard they're really great. They're really amazing yeah. for the price. I have a MateBook X last generation's review unit. So they've just updated the MateBook X. Uh, to the 10th gen uh, Intel chips. And uh, they've also launched a MateBook 14, which is like a, their cheaper non-pro, like not, not you know, it's like the MacBook versus the MacBook Pro on Apple. I don't know the pricing. I'll link, I'll link everything. You can decide for yourself. But the, the bottom line is Huawei laptops are pretty awesome and they just came out with new ones. And then simultaneously, they also came out with a new Watch GT, uh, the Watch GT2 Pro. The Watch GTs are interesting. They're not smart watches that run like um, um, like Wear OS or like comparable to the uh, Apple Watch or even comparable to like the Samsung Watch. They're essentially a fitness tracker OS in a regular looking smartwatch. So they do a lot of the fitness stuff really well, but they're also really affordable because of that. And more importantly, the battery life, Mary Jo, on these things is like two weeks Oh, wow. No problem. Wow. Because think of your fitness band. Your average Fitbit band goes, what, three or four days on a charge, right? Mm -hmm. Versus a watch, a smartwatch you have to charge every day. Imagine now you have the real estate to put a big battery in mm -hmm. there because it looks like a watch. Mm -hmm. Now you can go for like forever. And that's what Huawei's been doing with these, the GT series. The GT essentially is uh, a fitness band on steroids that looks like a smartwatch. <laughs> I like these things. They're pretty cool. And then they have earbuds. You know, everybody's doing true wireless earbuds and they're pretty awesome. And Huawei has a new set of earbuds uh, that are like, what are the Free, FreeBuds Pro or something. So really, I just want to mention it because, you know, we don't get a lot of Huawei news here in the US and they make really good products. Ultimately, their phones are also awesome. Of course, now you can't really use them with our Google Play services. It doesn't really work for us in the West. But the reality is I don't want to give them some love because I feel like our regime is giving them such a hard time, <laughs> yet at the same time, yep. you know, if there's three companies out there that make mobile products that are, that are kick-ass, it's Apple, Samsung, and Huawei, mm. frankly. I mean, there's others out there that do great stuff, but, you know, these are the innovators right now. They're really pushing the envelope, in my opinion, mm. so... I just wanted to bring it up. Have you tried the Surface earbuds? I'm curious. You know, I haven't. And I'm really hoping that when I get my Surface Duo review yeah. unit, that they bundle them in. Yeah. Because 
Um, you know, I could have pursued it. I'm sure that if I'd hit up Microsoft yeah. when they up refreshed them recently that I could have gotten a pair, but... I tried. I couldn't get them until I got the Duo. So. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Yeah. I have had so many true wireless earbuds to review, Mary yeah. Jo. There's coming out of the woodwork yeah. from everyone, and I just haven't had time yeah, to actually, yeah. like, jump in. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's it for the news, folks, and generally the podcast. I feel like we spend a lot of time, which is really what I wanted to do, because Mary Jo is such an encyclopedia of Windows things, and getting your perspective on a Windows product, especially from a non-hardware reviewer mm -hmm. perspective, I thought was really amazing. So thanks for giving us your, your take. Yeah, thanks for asking me. It's always fun to chat with you, too, so great. Wonderful. So... Speaking of, where can folks follow you on the internet and find your writing and everything else? Uh, so I have a blog on ZDNet called allaboutmicrosoft.com. And then on Twitter, I am all about Mary Jo Foley. So folks, listen to Mary Jo. She knows everything you need to know about Windows. <laughs> I, I mean, that's that's how I make my decisions. Like, whoa, did Mary Jo approve whoa, of this? Whoa, whoa, that's a lot of responsibility. Hold on. <laughs> Come on. You've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. I have. <laughs> no, I mean, you should follow Mary Jo on Twitter and, and, and read, the, uh, read the column. It's a good one. Thanks. For sure. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. And then, folks, you know where to find me on the internet. I'm at Tankerl. That's T-N-K-G-R-L, like the comic book character, but without the vowels. That's both on Twitter and Instagram. So Twitter is a good place if you want to comment on the podcast, if you want to talk with me about the show or correct me or yell at me because I hate the duo, which I don't, by the way, because I haven't tested it yet. But whatever it might be, please Hit me up on Twitter. Instagram was where you'll find pretty pictures of phones, pretty pictures taken with phones, all that good stuff. And then, of course, you know, there's a YouTube channel if you want some visual content, like my unboxing video of the Poco X3 Pro, or I have an upcoming video of the new Moto One 5G that was announced last week coming up. So, you know, check out the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash mobile tech podcast. Like, subscribe, tell your friends, you know, do the whole usual, like, notification bell comment all that good stuff that you do on youtube and then finally if you just listen to mary joe like you should and you just happen to be on this podcast because mary joe is on it and you want to subscribe go to mobiletechpodcast.com and subscribe there there is links to subscribe to everything we're on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, pocket cast spotify pretty much everywhere so please subscribe tell your friends all that good stuff you know i've had some really great folks donating i want to thank armand and niv for being uh, giving me generous donations this week please consider donating there's a link in the show notes below it's a paypal link you know i can't do this without your help so i'd appreciate it if you consider a donation and if also you can also help by helping our sponsor audible audible is a sponsor of the show it's been for a long time we have a special deal for you. If you if you don't already have Audible and you want to help support the podcast, the, the link in the show notes, you get a 30-day free trial. You get to keep a book at the end and you don't have to stick around. And no matter what, you're helping the show. So consider this. AudibleTrial.com slash mobile tech is the URL. That's AudibleTrial.com slash mobile tech. And that'll get you the deal, get you started on Audible. Now, you're going to say why. Well, look, audiobooks, right? It's a thing. If you can't read a book, say you're a delivery driver, you're driving FedEx truck all day long, you're sick and tired of maybe listening to that Miriam with her mobile tech podcast all day long. Maybe you want to listen to a thing that's going to last like 11 hours. Well, audiobooks are your ticket. Like If you're like me and you're an avid reader, but you can't always actually physically read a book, Audible is your platform. Check it out. Great selection. 
A lot of the books are read by the authors, which is my favorite part. And, you know, you can't go wrong. So consider helping a sponsor help us, help me, by checking out that offer. AudibleTrial.com slash MobileTech. Thanks again to Audible for being a longtime sponsor. And thanks to you, Mary Jo, for being on the show again. Yeah, thank you again for inviting me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We'll have you on again sometime soon. And folks, we'll have another show next week. So stay tuned for that. We'll catch you then. Cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.